Hey, welcome to the Overtalking Podcast with your hosts, Ken and CJ. Say hi, CJ. Hi, CJ. We have a very special episode for you Overtalkers this week. A little something different. Yeah, we're not going to be following our normal format, but we are going to revisit one of our previous episodes. The episode on the great Disney classic, Brink. Skate better. Skate better. Yeah, we were very honored uh, to receive an email we check our email over talking about at gmail.com. Yes. Uh, if, if anyone else uh, has something just, to say about a previous episode, hi. just yeah, say just hi. Drop by, say hi. Um, but yeah, we got we got a, an awesome email from the writer of Brink, Jeff Schechter. The freaking writer of the movie emailed yeah. us. So we're going to be interviewing him uh, as part of this episode. It's going to be great. It's going to be great. Uh, all that and more coming up on this week's Over Talking Podcast. So, you know him from Brink. We have the writer on the podcast this week. Uh, welcome, Jeff Schechter. Hey, guys. How you doing? Good. Good. Thank you so much again for agreeing to do this. Yeah, it's a pleasure you. to have you on. No, it's my pleasure. I just wanted to also thank you for being uh, co-presidents of the uh, International Brink Fan Club. It's, uh, it's our honor. That's we, we right. Yeah, it's greatly, greatly appreciated. It. It's, uh, yeah. I must have missed the invitation to the convention because I didn't, it never showed up <laughs> It didn't up get to you? Oh, bummer. It's got lost in the yeah, mail this year. Yeah, you don't want to check the address. Oh, shoot. We'll have to FedEx that next time. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> uh, so first question, just right off the bat, how did you come across us is it like, do you get I like was, Google Alerts or something? I was trying to find a reason not to work on the thing I was working on. <laughs> and everyone said, oh, because I just had a meeting where the, that was the, you know, let's watch the guy's expression when, when I mentioned Brink. <laughs> so I, I came back from the meeting and started Googling. I said, like, let's, you know, every once in a while, see how Brink is faring on social media. Are people still talking about it? And then just tripped on the podcast. I was like, oh, my God, people actually did a podcast about it? <laughs> Who are these desperate, sad people? <laughs> now you can see them for your very own eyes. Yeah, as we hide behind <laughs> microphones. Yeah. <laughs> um, what was your first gig in the biz? How'd you get into this? Oh, it, it's, it's pretty crazy. The, the first paying gig I had was Bloodsport 2. So you know, wow. if, you want, if you want to chart a, a, a circuitous route from Bloodsport two to Brink, um, you know it's, uh, <laughs> it's, it's quite the windy road. But uh, yeah, that was the first uh, the first uh, uh, paying job I had. I you know I, I kind of um, was the uh, proverbial you know like not that I was an overnight success, but it's like it takes you know, ten years to become an overnight success type of thing. Mm-hmm. So you know everything was kind of very incremental forward you know it's like I came to LA from New York and didn't have an agent then had an agent who wanted me but I didn't want that agent then had an agent that we both wanted each other so now I had that agent but then nothing's happening then I optioned a script for ten dollars and then you know it's like it was like that's whatever that smallest possible step forward you could take um that's what I took and uh and then finally it just hit a point where Bloodsport 2 was an open writing assignment and I had written on spec a uh, a karate movie and the producer, who is also from New York, read it and read the karate spec and and wanted to meet me for for Brink, and um, and I'm not I'm sorry not for Brink for uh, Bloodsport too, and I was literally at a, at a point where I had quit my job to write full time, so there was no way I was not getting Bloodsport too, and I just kept explaining that to him during the meeting, and the good news <laughs> is that he was from 
New York, and, and his New York accent was even worse than mine, which brought out my bad New York accent. So, you know, we're sitting there, and, you know, he's talking like this, and I'm talking like this. I'm saying, hey, there's no way I'm not getting this job. There are no other writers. You know, I just kept going on and on and on, and he, he agreed. <laughs> nice. That's awesome. So, so Plus Four Two was the, uh, the, first, the, the, the first paying thing, and then, and then things kind of picked up from there. Yeah, so how did you how did you go about starting with Brink? Did you like want to write about skating, or was that kind of like an assignment, or how did that start? It was, it was just kind of kind of happened. That was the like that incremental step forward concept. So you know, so I started with Bloodsport two, and then I did some more uh, like uh, B action movie kind of stuff um, after that. And while that was happening, I was also writing um, uh, some family films like on spec which means you know nobody's paying me i'm just writing it for see if i can sell it sure. and another one of those turned into a, a good writing sample and um and then started uh doing some stuff for warner brothers like i did the uh the um olsen twins uh movie um it takes two i was a rewriter on that okay. you know? Yeah, yeah. So, so I did that, and then I got hired to do some more rewrite work, and uh, and then one of the one of the script doctoring jobs that I did was on a movie called "I'll Be Home for Christmas" with uh, Jonathan Taylor Thomas, and uh, and the company that did that was uh, um, David Hoberman's company uh, called Mandeville, and um, and so I f- did that job, and was just they had an office on the Disney lot. And happened to be on the Disney lot for some other meeting and just went into their offices just to say hi, you know, I'm passing by. And I said, so what do you guys work on? And he says, yeah, we just were given this thing to do, uh, you know, you, you might be good for it, but I don't, I don't know if you're so interested. And I go, what is it? And they go, well, it's an adaptation for Disney Channel uh, of the Hans Brinker story. I went, I don't know, you know, I'm not doing anything right now. And I, I was all I was strictly, strictly features, right? And this was going to be a TV movie. And it's like, eh, you know, I thought it'd be like a little bit of a lark, just knock that off. And then I can go back to focusing on features. And, um, you yeah, and sort of just, you know, it was really just strolling in and saying hello to somebody and ended <laughs> wow. up being handed the, the book and going, yeah, I could, I could adapt this into, uh, into an inline skating uh, movie without benefit of actually knowing anything about inline skating <laughs> so um but it was it was, it was like all the, all the beats were there so i did that and that that was really the thing that that started moving me into television so now i started doing television and film oh, okay. and then eventually stopped doing film altogether and now it's solely television well almost solely television were you familiar with the Hans Brinker story at all? I had, I had no idea it was even based on anything until I, until I started looking at the Wikipedia page. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. I, I knew you know I knew like the name like Hans Brinker and the Silver Skates was kind of like in my brain somewhere, mm-hmm. but uh, didn't really know much about the uh, the uh, the original Hans Brinker story. I, I I think I knew something about skating on canals or something. Mm-hmm. You know, and that was it. But but then as I started looking at the story. You know, there were there were the things that I adapted out of it that that were in the original Hans Brinker story that made their way into Brink. Uh, you know, a, an injured father and the family needs money, and you know the kid. I don't think there was the friendship component, at least the way it was in uh, in Brink. I don't recall it that well, but uh, but I, yeah, but there were definitely things that that you could look at and go, okay, that was an adaptation, but it was also largely created. I don't think I don't think Val exists in uh, <laughs> Unsbreaker, yeah. Or if he does, he has a very thick accent. Yeah. Sure, yeah. <laughs> They're missing that iconic evil duo. 
<laughs> that's right. But it was yeah. But uh, but but Hans Brinker does throw a uh, a strawberry shake in somebody's face. All oh, right, <laughs> nice. So it's taken from the book. That's awesome. Yeah, which really hurt because it was like so cold out in Norway <laughs> when he did it that it was just frozen. It was like a brick of ice. Yeah. <laughs> Adding insult to injury. Yeah. <laughs> so how much of your script actually made it into the the TV film? It uh, 99%. Dang, really? Do they, was, they change I, 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 I give all the credit in the world to the director, a guy named Greg Beeman, who um, probably... You know, I, except when I, except when I'm running kind of my own show on television or something, you know, where like I'm, you know, like I have final say um, on the script until until I became a showrunner. You know, you're always at the mercy of somebody else's notes or rewrites and things like that. Even even on um, you know on um, uh, the, the Disney Channel stuff, you know, somebody was always rewriting, but. Um, but the director was such an advocate for the script. Everybody really liked the script, so that helped. And the director was just like, "Yeah, this is great. Let's just shoot this." You know, he was he was so respectful of the script and would ask my opinion about stuff. And um, so I give all the credit to him. But yeah, but 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 out of pretty much almost everything I've written, um, with the exception of you know of uh, like I said of shows where I'm the showrunner, sure. everything I've written that I've had a hand off to somebody, Brink is probably the most faithful to the. Uh, to the original script. Wow. wow, That's amazing. Did they change anything at all or is it just worth it? No, I think there were a couple of little changes okay. that um, I think just for, you know, line changes on the, in the moment, but, but otherwise they were insanely faithful to it. Cool. Some of the, some of the, like the, the motivations and attitudes and stuff, like the, the infamous, the parenthetical comments got lost in translation, but even those, they were really, really very careful to uh, try to be faithful to the script. It was, it was very uh, creatively, very rewarding to see it and go, yeah, that's, that's pretty much what I wrote. That's awesome. <laughs> and uh, so speaking of the script, I have to ask uh, quite possibly the best advice ever given in any movie, <laughs> the little sister uh, <laughs> giving the advice of, well, just skate better. Just skate better. <laughs> that's all you need skate to know. Better. What don't you get about that? Just skate better. <laughs> so I, I have to know like how that, came to be yeah it just being a brooklyn wise ass i I don't have i didn't have a kid sister um but if i had one i was trying to imagine you know if there was some little girl out there who shared my dna you know at some level and was going to be kind of innocent while also having an attitude and was giving advice to brink what would she say and it was just skate better. <laughs> <laughs> just like, do it, you idiot. Why don't you get about this? I know. It's so funny. I was, I was talking to my wife uh, earlier today saying like, oh, yeah, yeah, I'm going to do uh, this uh, interview for Brink, you know, which kind of stuns her anyway. <laughs> and, uh, and she's like, well, what kind of questions could they possibly have? I said, well, I think they're going to ask me you know, about some lines like the line skate better. She just kind of rolls her eyes like. <laughs> Like that's a line. That's a line of dialogue worth discussing. Oh, that, yeah, that's, a that's line of dialogue absolutely worth still quoted yeah. between friends of mine. Yeah, yeah, that has lived beyond the ages. <laughs> and then the the uh, the uh, young actress who did it, I forget her name. I want to almost want to say it's Katie. Something I should look. I should know that. But um, but she was just so great with that. Yeah, you know, uh, and also her nunya. Yeah, many yeah. moment. Yeah, yeah. Classic. classic. She was terrific. I, I hope she's still acting because she was she was great. Yeah, she definitely filled the role quite well. In yeah, my opinion, at least <laughs> it's an aggravating yeah, right. little sister. 
Yeah, it kind of seemed like when you were when we were watching it, she was getting on your nerves oh, yeah. as if you were the main character of the movie. <laughs> uh, I have a little sister too, and it definitely it struck oh, a nerve for me. I that's think that's what it is. Yeah, but yeah, you, you related a little too much. Probably yeah, gotcha. some some deep uh, receded anger was there. Um, so speaking of <laughs> speaking oh, yeah, of her name is Katie. I just looked her up on IMDb. Katie Volding. Okay, was her name, and then apparently she was in Smart House also. Oh. oh. Okay, sticking with the Disney Channel. Disney, yeah. Disney Channel <laughs> nice. Um, so speaking of script writing, you wrote a book on it. I did. How did uh, called My Story Can Beat Up Your Story? Love the title. <laughs> yeah, 10 Ways <laughs> to Toughen Up Your Screenplay from Opening Hook to Knockout Punch. And I like the cover, the little mean kid with his arms crossed. <laughs> <laughs> I know. People keep saying, is that you as a kid? I go, no, but could have been. <laughs> <laughs> So how did uh, were you asked to write this, or you just wanted to you know share advice? Or I had I had um, been you know I'm kind of a gearhead you know I'm like sort of into science and physics and methods and things like that and you guys being IT guys I guess would appreciate that. Um, so the uh, you know I kept trying to figure out because I'm also inherently lazy, so I was trying to figure out what's the easiest way to write something. So I kept trying to figure out, you know, what's if, if there was a unified field theory for screenwriting, what what would it be? And I had a friend of mine, um, a guy named Gilbert McLean Evans, really good writer. He does location scouting now, or location managing rather. And uh, and he and I would have these like really deep conversations um, over literally like over twenty years um, of uh, of screenplay structure. And how do how do movies you know how do good stories work and all that and he would have an insight shared with me and we go oh that's really good we got to write that down and I'd have something and share it with him and he go yeah that that makes a lot of sense and you know and he'd find source material that has nothing to do with screenwriting that somehow seems applicable you know to screenwriting you know like you know Carl Jung and things like that so so after a while we had a pretty good system in place and um, and that was between jobs up in Canada and had developed, I started developing like software for my own use to, um, you know, for story structure. Oh, wow. um, and, um, you know, and uh, that eventually got uh, acquired by a company called Mariner who uses, uh, turned into this program called Contour for, uh, for screenwriting and story structure. It's not a, it's not a word processor. It's just story structure. Nice. Um, so I developed that software for myself and like programmed it just for my own use. Like out of Microsoft access, you know, a million years ago. And um, and then I had friends who were like, you know, who were writers who were like, can I get a copy of that? And I was like, yeah, sure. So I turned it into a product that I could sell online um, as a digital download. And but I had to write the user's guide for it. So now I had to take all these screenwriting theories I went into making this piece of software, turn it into a user's guide that would sort of explain it. So but when that was done a couple of years later, and I was between jobs, I went, you know, I got like two-thirds of a book already. I might as well just finish it out. So I reached out to a, uh, a publisher, uh, Michael Weisey Books. You know, they're, they're the guys who put out Save the Cat and Screenwriter's Journey mm-hmm. and pitched him on the idea. And I sent him a picture of the kid with the arms crossed and a mock-up <laughs> on the cover, you know, in the title. And they went, yeah, great. You know, we'll publish that. I went, okay, good. And wow. then, like, you know, a year and a half, two years later, you know, the, the book came out. Dang, so, so uh, going from software to a user's manual, essentially, yeah, off to yeah, like yeah, a wow. script writing book. That's yeah, it really impressive. Manual, but it was like, yeah. And I really, uh, you know, from the 
early days of the user's manual to that. I mean, I had to expand it out a little bit more. Um, but um, yeah, it was it was largely there. It was the, the nuts and bolts of the whole system anyway. Wow. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Thanks. Yeah, and I still use it. I used I used that to write Brink that that system. So oh, really? it clearly works. Yeah, yeah. I used obviously. It. Well, the funny thing is, it, it is it's it really is like the unified field theory. I mean, I I've used it. This is no joke. I've used the same the exact same structure on Brink that I used on Bloodsport Two. That I also used on I wrote a couple of Care Bears movies, and it's the same structure for a Care Bears. It's just a, it really is. It's it's like it's it's the silver bullet of structure. And if somebody out there is going to say, yeah, you know, every time I watch Brink, I keep thinking that it's just like Bloodsport 2 and a Care Bears movie. <laughs> and it's like, That's what everyone nobody says. Nobody will ever say that, but, but I could sit down with you and, and, and say, yeah, see, here's, here's that, you know, here's the, the 12 foundation beats of Act 1, and here's the turn, and Act 2, and the, you know, I can go through the whole thing, and, and you go, yeah, wow, it's the same structure. Wow. Yeah. There's somebody out there that, 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 that once said that, that uh, Star Wars and uh, Wizard of Oz have the same structure. And they're probably right, you know. So, um, yeah, so it's like it's not so so far-fetched to think that, yeah, there might be just good stories have a sort of hit the, the same emotional thematic beats along the way. And you just swap out characters and plots and, and you know, you, you just left with a solid structure to build your story on. Dang. How, how long was that process between, like, sitting down and trying to type out instructions to that software to like having the book in your hand um i think i well there's a period of time from the time i had the software it was probably probably three or four years where i didn't have to do any more work on the um on the user's guide and when i was just selling that mm -hmm. and um you know and then jumped into it again to turn it into a book so i think the whole book the book probably the probably the user's guide took me a month or so to write and then the book took me another four or five months, you know, to uh, to write. Dang. And then, but then it was like a, almost a year, I think, before publication. Back and forth between the yeah. publisher and editors and things like that. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. So, what are you watching nowadays? If you can, what am I watching? You're coming up with these movies and TV shows. What yeah. do you want to sit down? Like what's going into it's, your head? Yeah. yeah. Well, you know, it's funny. It's a, it really we we. We're kind of at the gold in, in a yet another golden age of television. Um, I read something a year ago or so, year and a half. Somebody said, I, I guess people who know these things, and so I'm willing to to believe them. Um, there's something like if for the first time in television history or television watching history, I guess um, there are now whatever that threshold is i don't know if it's a metacritic score you know if you get a metacritic score over 95 you're a fantastic television program or something mm -hmm. so whatever that number is and however they crunch it um there are more shows that are um acclaimed as the, this is a television show worth watching it's a quality television show so there are for the first time in history there are more quality television shows um than there are hours in the day to watch Wow. So you, so you literally, if, if, and, and which is really kind of stunning when you think about yeah. it. I mean, like you know, I don't know if you remember when you were kids, you know, an hour and a half ago. But when I was a kid, <laughs> you know, and television was first invented, the uh, you know when you only had you had four or five channels. You know, you had your three major networks, then you had some local channels, and there was no Fox and no WB and no CW. You know, you you go and go. Oh, I guess I could watch that show. There's nothing else on. 
right? Mm-hmm. It, it was literally, there was nothing else on, yeah. right? So, I, you know, you watch stuff by default. Now it's like you, you, could, you could make a shopping list of really highly regarded shows, and if you did nothing else other than watch television 24-7, you still couldn't watch every episode of every good show that's out there. So that, that's the preamble to answering your question. So the stuff that I'm watching, um, um, I've, uh, I'm really into Shameless. I think it's some of the yes, best yeah. writing. We both watch that. Yeah. Love Shameless. I, uh, I was watching Dirk Gently, like in the genre stuff. You know, I was watching uh, Dirk Gently season one. I really liked season two. I thought it was a little bizarre. <laughs> but uh, so I watched, uh, I was watching Dirk Gently till recently. Um, I'm kind of under obligation um, to watch This Is Us. Um, I think my wife, my wife, I, I like it too. I, I, I do, but but you know, if we're sitting around at night, you know, I'm not going to get her to watch you know Brink yet again. She's you know after <laughs> something she likes. So uh, so This Is Us is high on the list of uh, you know of, of shows. Um, surprisingly, I don't watch a lot of genre. It's like I, I even subscribe to CBS Direct Access. So I could watch Star Trek Discovery because, like, I'm a huge Star Trek fan. I mean, I don't know if you can see behind me. I see you a know. few figurines. There. I see some yeah. Star Wars I got, too. Yeah. I got, I got, yeah, I got figuring figurines. I got, uh, you know, turn, turn my little camera. This is for those of you listening to the podcast. This is the exciting part. I'm <laughs> yeah, doing yeah. pictures. The visual um, part. Anyway, so I'm a huge Star Trek fan. So I even subscribed to CBS Direct Access to watch Star Trek Discovery, and it's kind of like, uh, you know, uh, I don't know, I. I I really wanted to like it. And I guess I, I need to give it more time. Mm-hmm. I was also watching the Orville for a while. Um, you know, I kind of lost track of that show, but, um, yeah, so it's kind of a mishmash of, uh, of contemporary shows. And then, you know, when in doubt, I just fire up old episodes of something just for you know, nostalgia. Yeah, sure. Nice. So I would be remiss if I didn't ask you about stitchers. Um, you so- would, Yes. Yes. Uh, so you miss. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> can you give us just like for those who have never heard of it, any listeners out there, can you just give like a synopsis? What's the show about? Why should they tune in? <laughs> well, uh, you know, uh, the you know caveat is Stitchers is canceled. <laughs> yeah, so that's we've been doing many seasons. Yeah. It was a great <laughs> run and uh, fantastic show. Canceled for reasons having nothing to do with the creative on the show. Um, or so I'm told. <laughs> to do with scheduling and finances and stuff like that. And you, were the, was, was you were the executive producer, right? What? You were the executive producer on that, right? Yeah, yeah, uh, creator and executive producer. Nice. Um, and you guys are looking and, uh, for a home for next season, if possible? Nah, no. Nah, okay. I, I, I don't see it happening. I think it, if if we got canceled in September, I think if uh, if somebody was you know like a Hulu or a Netscape would have uh, a Netscape Netflix would have. Um, swooped in already if uh, there was enough interest oh, okay. but um but the show is about a um a young woman named kirsten clark who um gets recruited by this secret government agency because is there any other kind of agency other than <laughs> yeah. government working in a secret underground lab because is there any other type of lab <laughs> so it's a secret government agency working for a secret underground lab and they um solve crimes by um, taking the uh, consciousness of a of a stitcher, and so in this case it's the woman Kirsten who gets recruited for the program, uh, they take her consciousness and put it into the memories of the recently dead. And by going into those memories, she, she gets clues that may not be visible to the authorities, and they investigate and solve these these crimes. 
So it was kind of, and it's sort of a, it had pop culture references because I'm kind of filthy with pop culture references. Um, it um, science fiction. It had witty banter. It was you know a cool laboratory that I kept telling everybody it's the bridge of the enterprise. You know? <laughs> and um, it was just it was sort of a, just a great experience. Science fiction, procedural, dramedy, um, you know, a lot of relationship y stuff going on in there. Uh, fantastic cast. My cast was amazing and not just talented in terms of, um, you know, their acting abilities, but like really, really decent, good people. So that was just like a pleasure to show up to work. I mean, I've worked on other shows where, you know, you're, some of the people are less decent and pleasant. But it was just a joy every day to work on that. So I, I, miss, I miss the show quite a lot. You know, not working on it. So yeah. thanks for bringing that up. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Are you working on any projects now that you can disclose yeah. or anything in yeah. the works? Well, you know, it's a, you know, with a, with a wife, four kids, a couple of college tuitions and, you know, you know, and uh, home expenses. I can't, I can't afford not to. Uh, <laughs> so, um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I just got a show set up with a company called E1. I don't even think we went public with this information, which reminds me, you know, note to self, talk to manager about why there's no press release. Um, <laughs> yeah, so a, a show called Life of I, which is a, uh, um, you know, kind of a cool, I can't talk about it too much, but it's a very cool, another, uh, you know, high-tech genre uh, procedural uh, kind of show. So I'm just doing uh, revisions on that now. Hopefully we'll get that into the uh, network and broadcast. And, uh, you know, a year from now we can, we can revisit on another podcast and see where Life of I is at. Definitely. Yeah, Absolutely. That. I'm working on a Supernatural uh, police show also on spec, hmm. you know, just on my own. And then, you know, we're kind of like we're getting into um, what's called you know, pilot season and uh, pilot order season coming up within the next couple of months. So we'll see if I end up on somebody else's show. Um, you know, uh, running it, but uh, otherwise, I'm I'm optimistic about life of I. Cool. So, is that a lot of your personality coming through on these shows? Then, if you're talking about like Star Trek and the the geekiness and stuff like that. Oh my gosh! If, yeah, if you if you and you can say no, I won't be offended. Uh, I mean, have you seen Stitchers? We watched the pilot before this, and we we totally okay, caught some of those references. We t- there was like Doctor Who reference like, yeah. right off the bat. Yeah, which right, was awesome. right. Yeah. Oh yeah, that's another thing I watched is Doctor Who. Yes. Um, yeah. yeah. So um, yeah. So there's and the references only got you know, deeper and more plentiful, um, as the, uh, seasons progressed. But, um, yeah, but I was totally geeking out. You know, the, 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 uh, character of Cameron, um, mm-hmm. played by, uh, Kyle Harris, who was brilliant in it, is, was basically, um, you know, me as a much more handsome, talented, buff version of me. <laughs> you know, as played by Kyle Harris. Um, but um, yeah, I mean, the, the geeky references, the snarky comments, that, that was kind of me. <laughs> gotcha. Yeah, but I, I totally, totally geeked out on it. Nice. Is that coming through in the, the, the projects you're writing now with the new, the new show? And the- yeah, there, there's, I, I, I always seem to have to shove a character in there that I can talk through. Yeah. yeah. Even <laughs> though every, char- you every character is always some, some representation of some character trait. Yeah. You know, so George on Seinfeld so, is so like, like even in, in Brink, you know, like Brink was the, you know, it's sort of the wide eyed, innocent, enthusiastic, optimistic version of me, hmm. you know, where, you know, where Val 
is the more cynical version of me. You know, so I'm able to like kind of get into their head spaces because I just say, oh, let me put the let me put the nice version of me aside for a moment and break out the really competitive, you know, long haired valley guy <laughs> version of me. So um, yeah, so there's usually some character in there that that you know I kind of put in that I could really go to town on and, and just say all the stuff that I've always would like to say. You know, so uh, so in Life of I, there's a young grifter who is kind of like, if I was an 18-year-old grifter, I would be this guy. <laughs> you know, he says he says all the cool stuff and, you know, is kind of like basically a coward, but he's fearless about his cowardice, <laughs> which I think is my defining quality. So you're writing lines. And you guys can debate what fearless about his cowardice means after the, uh, after the show. Yeah, <laughs> that's still processing us. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> So you coming up with lines specifically for that character to say, so that like oh, th- yeah, thoughts yeah, you've yeah. had that yeah you just want to hear out loud come through the TV. Yeah, he's just he's just like he's just a fast talking Brooklyn guy that I, I imagine I, I might have been when I was his age and living and working in New York. Gotcha. Was there uh, anything else you want to mention? We don't want to keep you too long. No, 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 no. This is uh, no. This has been great. No, just as just as a you know a real trip to. Hear you guys going on about Brink, um, you know, mostly respectful. So thank you for that. <laughs> and yeah, um, I don't know no, what I would have done always, if I uh... was happy to uh, talk about it. It's like, um, you know, like we were mentioning before we started uh, the recording. It's like I'm just I'm always stunned and gratified that just every once in a while, you know, and and frankly, more often than not, people will go, "You wrote Brink." And they get like super excited. This is what happened with Kyle, with, uh, Kyle Harris. Uh, like, oh, really? Hey, oh. With Blake Cameron, where he's, <laughs> you know, he's a gentleman of a particular age, like, you know, late 20s, early 30s. And, um, you know, and we, you know, we meet, you know, at the uh, studio for the first time because he was from New York. So he got the part and he, you know, came in, we, we meet and he goes, you wrote Brink. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, but I wrote Stitches, which is the show we're hiring. You know, Brink, you know. So he was like super excited about Brink. You know, there's one time um, I was ordering um, alarm components for my house because we just moved into a new house. I needed to buy like you know motion sensors and mm-hmm. you know magnetic door things, and so I'm ordering components online, and I get the uh, the guy from the the alarm company that I'm ordering the components from and you know, I get, okay, we need four of these and six of those. He goes, okay, good. Can I get your uh, name, please? He goes, first name? I go, Jeffrey. His last name? Schechter. He goes, Jeff Schechter, the writer? I'm like, how? Anonymous alarm component guy, how do you know yeah. Jeff Schechter, the writer? And he goes, you wrote Brink. <laughs> so it's like, you know what? I'm I'm thrilled. It's, That's uh, incredible. I don't, I don't think it's quite to the point where I can I can dine free from coast <laughs> to coast based on Brink, but I could probably every every couple hundred miles, I'm sure I could find a meal. Yeah, you just got to find the right restaurant. Yeah, got to find the right restaurant. Yeah. yeah, staffed by people in their late twenties, early thirties. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, Jeff, uh, can't thank you enough yeah. for reaching out to us and thank you so listening much. to the show. It's been a pleasure having you on. Thank you so much. Oh, it's my pleasure. No, it was great talking to you guys. Yeah, thank you. I don't know what it would have done if, uh, while recording that, had I known the writer was going to yeah, listen. listen. Yeah. 
know if I would have said the same things. I had to go read back and listen to it again. I don't think I said anything too awful. Hopefully, but. no, 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 no. You guys are great. I think, I think, I think you, you know, you took the piss out of it in the right places. I remember exactly what those places were, but I remember going, yeah, I think it's 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 worthwhile making fun of. Like it's, it's not the. It's it's not like you know I wrote the Torah, <laughs> you know it's like you know it's prank, you know it's it's, yeah. it's exactly what it should be. It's it's great fun and gives people a chance to uh, get together and uh, have a good time. Yeah, well, we definitely loved it. Yeah, I hope you know it's still quoted amongst friends and I, and definitely is still uh, remembered those good times watching it. <laughs> well, good. No, it's I'm 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 very very grateful and gratified to hear that. Great. Well, thanks again for joining us, Jeff. My pleasure. Thanks, guys. Thanks. Thank you. And we're back on the Overtalking Podcast. Can't thank that man enough. Yeah, that was amazing. Extremely nice and unnecessary for us two idiots. Yeah, thank you again, Jeff, if you're listening to this. Uh, yeah, that was really cool. I, I hope I didn't make too big of an ass of myself. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I also kind of immediately when I read the email was like, <laughs> what did I say yeah. on the episode? We all rated it pretty highly, though. I, I gave it a seven, which is anyone who listens to the podcast regularly is pretty high for me yeah. so it's, it's a good movie go yeah. check it out kids yeah definitely it's fun jeff thank you again yeah and uh you guys don't forget you can email us at overtalkingpod at gmail.com we clearly read it yeah just say hi or something whatever yeah. whatever's on your mind i'll probably if it's a weird email i'll probably wait until i'm drunk one night to reply and it'll be fun yeah or we could do it sober yeah. who knows it's kind of a roulette wheel of will they will not who be reads drunk. the email first yeah. <laughs> uh what else we got uh you can call us and leave us a voicemail like our uh friend crobus does uh at up a cat one five nine one up a cat up a cat one five nine one and we got the uh facebook at over talking pod twitter at over talking pod instagram at over talking pod and oh they're back they came again. They're they're wearing like fancy tuxedos though this time. I think they knew this was going to be like a, a, a special, special episode, a special occasion. Thanks, yeah. thanks guys. They look all fancy. Yeah. Um, so yeah, the Overtalking Overlords are here, and they're here to remind you uh, through me that I'm going to go pinch one of their cheeks. Oh, don't do it. Ow! Oh, that was a okay. slap. Why'd you slap him? Slap my hand away. I'm sorry. Oh, okay. Uh, if uh, you like the show, and I hope you do. Uh, please go on iTunes and rate and express a review. Reviews are what help people find the show. Also, we pay no money for advertising the show. So if uh, you want to help spread the word, we would be greatly appreciated. Tell a friend, grab their phone, open up Apple Podcasts or Stitcher or Spotify, anything, and hit subscribe. Click those stars and tell your friends. And, and as we always say, skate, skate better. better. Bye. This episode of the Overtalking Podcast was edited and produced by Ken and CJ. Special guest was Jeff Schechter, the writer of Brink and the creator and executive producer of Stitchers. Logo by Nate Richards. Check out Nate's work on Instagram at Nate Richards Designs. We have a very special episode. Ow. <laughs> Ow. Ow. Bloopers. And as we always, nope, there's more stuff we do here, isn't there? Uh, so if you like the podcast, please uh, email us at oversungabout at gmail.com. Oh. Facebook. 
Number ready. Come on. 